Hey, well, welcome to the room. My name's Todd, pastor here. Um, I keep lying to you unintentionally uh, and saying we're going to start the next series, and we're just not starting it ever. I, so I don't, but hey, maybe we will next week. So uh, we'll see. <clears throat> um, so I've discovered something in the uh, course of my life, and that is, and I don't mean this is offensive, but I've noticed kind of a, a strange equation in myself, so I'm going to say myself first, but I also think in some of you. And here's what it is. The longer you know Christ, the less loving you are. Yeah, that's hard to hear. The longer you know Christ, sometimes the less loving you are. Now, that's not the case for everyone. That's not the case for every person here. But it's the case for a lot of us. Have you ever heard the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? Have you ever heard that before? I might have used it last week. So the more comfortable and familiar you are with something, the more you take it for granted, the more you don't appreciate it. And I think that's what happens. And it reminds me of the Pharisees. Now, I say this a lot, and people, you know, when we, when we see Jesus talk to anyone in the Bible, it's human nature. If you're a Christian, you're with him talking to the bad people. That's what you are, right? I mean, that, I get it. You're sitting there standing with him, giving the speeches to the Pharisees, teaching the sinners. But here's the thing about the Pharisees. Do you think that when they entered, you know, their training in the temple, when they woke up every morning, that they thought to themselves, I'm not going to really follow God in my heart. Do you think that? Do you think that they woke up all of them and put their evil villain hat on and was like, I can't wait to be evil? No, they didn't do that, right? No, they woke up and did the same thing you and I do. And they woke up and they said, hey, I'm putting my my fancy clothes on and I'm going to go uh, to church, to the temple, and I'm going to do my duty for God, you know, because, of course, God needs me to do that. Do you think that they thought they weren't loving people? Let that sink in. Do you think when they cast out lepers, when they cast out paralyzed people, you know, the sinners, right, the people that were unclean, in their mind, were they doing evil? Do you think they were being unloving? Now, see, some of you are going, "Mm, I don't know. No, human nature, I'm telling you, they didn't think to themselves, it takes a very special kind of crazy person to not justify your own actions. Everyone does it. So when we don't do something we should or when we do something we shouldn't, our natural tendency as humans is to justify that, is to to come up with a reason why I'm still the good guy. And that happens with the Pharisees, I think. Now, I'm not making a direct comparison here, but I think we can learn from this because here's the thing. The longer you know Jesus, the more jaded you become, okay? What does jaded mean? Uh, Cynical. The more you realize that, and I, this is me, when I became sick, the more you realize it doesn't match up all the time. Because, I say this story all the time, when I became a Christian, I just had the New Testament and the Proverbs, it said New Believers Bible. A bunch of y'all judged me for that when I brought it to church, by the way. True story. Not you guys, but kind of. And I read it. And so when I went to, I didn't go to church, I went, ended up transferring to a Christian college. I legitimately was incredibly excited because I'm like, I'm about to be with the good people. Right? I mean, it's about to go down. I'm going to learn how to be good. And you know what happened? There's a lot of bad people there. 
right? And even the good people can be bad. And somewhere along the line, that, that's what happens is we, we tend to forget the more knowledge we build up here, the more we kind of lose in here. And so we start to justify our actions with religion. Because I'm going to tell you something that's going to be hard to hear or maybe surprising, but it's the truth. <clears throat> you can be a good Christian in today's culture and not be a loving person. Say that again. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I'm saying exactly what I said. You can play the game, the great masquerades what we call it around here. You can play the game and not be a loving person, and no one will call you out on it. No one will call you out on it because as long as everyone's playing the same game, right, if, I, if everyone in this room calls white black and black white, it doesn't matter what the world says. As long as we agree on what's what, that's what it is. You get that? So if we say an action is loving, oh, man, that's loving. I'll pray for you. Man, how loving is that? That's awesome, right? Or and prayer is good. Or if we say something's okay, right? I don't have to love today because I'm tired and God wants my cup to be full. And you know, if my cup's not full, I can't give love to other people. If you can't tell that, I despise that analogy, right? And I, I already offended some of you because you use it. Now listen, why don't you just say I'm tired and need rest? Why you got to talk to me about a cup and how if you, it's almost like you're justifying to me why you need rest. If I don't fill my cup, I ain't going to love anyone. Well, then who are you relying on? Whose cup are you relying on? <clears throat> the longer that we do this, the more that we can lose sight of it. And some of us, some of you in this room that are doing this, you're not doing it intentionally. You love Jesus, you love people, but that's the, that's the thing about life is that, you know, if you're not intentionable, intentionable, that's a new word, write that down. If you're not intentional about doing these things, about following Jesus, not the Jesus that we all agree on in modern Christianity, but the Jesus of the Bible who is the only real Jesus. We tend to take the parts out we don't like and add parts we do, right, and create this gross Frankenstein Jesus that doesn't exist. But the longer we do this, the easier it is for this to go, for you to stop seeing. And you become a really good Christian, right? You become a really good Christian and not a very good disciple because they're not synonymous nowadays. <clears throat> I'm going to hope you're thinking, and I didn't just go, oh, that son of a gun. So I'm going to ask you a question. How well have you loved this week? How well have you loved this week? I knew it. Some of y'all going, I loved real well. Mm, stay with me. We're about to find out. Because, again, I just told you, you're always the hero in your own story. Me too. How well have you tangibly loved people this week? How often have you gone out of your way to love someone? Now, here's where I'm going to get you. How many of them did you miss? I hit my quota this week. Right? I loved this homeless guy by giving him a dollar right? so I can walk by my brother and sister at church who's clearly down because, you know, I filled my quota this week. 
How much have you tangibly loved someone? I want to read some of the most convicting verses in the Bible and one that's kind of scary. And I think it's often not read that way. But for me, if you let this scene, it's very scary. If you got your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. Pretty famous, okay? He's already got it up there. He's quick, right? So if you don't have it, it's on the screen. When you got it, say, I got it. <laughs> Is that when you're flipping still? You're like buying time till you really got it. When you got it, say, I got it. Man. <laughs> uh, this is Jesus, and I love this section of the book of uh, the Gospel of John. I'm going to always say this. Emma knows I love the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite sections because it's Jesus kind of, I think, hitting the highlights. You almost sense that he knows the time's coming, and so he's trying to get everything out. He's fully human too, right? He's trying to get everything out, and so what he does is he's telling us the things that are important, and he's praying for himself. He prays for the church, right? He prays for his apostles, the disciples, and he prays for us. Did you know he prayed for you? Because he did. And in this section, this is what he says. Everyone knows it. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. Everyone knows that. And immediately most of us go, that's us, man. Because the comparison is, before I go on, your comparison is with the world. You think if you love better than the world that you're doing it right. Well, that's easy. Just don't go killing people, right? If you're like me and you read this section and you slow down, and I encourage you to do that when you read, right? Don't read stuff, if it's one verse, like you haven't read it before, as though he's talking to you. If you're like me, you're asking yourself, okay, this is pretty important. He said, if you're my disciple, they're going to know you by how you love. And then he said, how are you supposed to love? You're supposed to love like me. Well, then the question is, how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love me? How does he love me? Well, he loved the unlovable. That means the hard-headed, right? the stubborn, the ones that irritated him. You don't think people irritated him? Go see how often how he talked to Peter, his buddy. He even said at one point, how long do I have to put up with you? He was talking about all of us, right? You don't get it. He loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable, literally and figuratively. The people whose society said they are bad, I want to stay away from them, right? And listen, I love messing with you. And some of you have been here long enough that it doesn't mess with you. And some of you need to be messed with. You have untouchables. They're in your life. The people that you don't want to associate with. The moment, I got you right now. You ready? Christians in the room, I'll talk to you. That time in your life when you got invited to do something, you were, gonna, you were talking to someone, and all of a sudden the other little church people walked by, and you had that thought of, oh, boy, I hope they don't think I'm like this person. I already know you've done it. In that moment, you're not touching the untouchable. You see, when Jesus was talking to the leper, he didn't run away when people saw him. Even when his friends called him out, he'd get away, get away. So he loved the unlovable, he touched the untouchable. He forgives, he pursued, he saw, and he listened. You know what he didn't do? He didn't just wait for some convenient time to love someone. 
and say, that filled my Messiah quota today. Did you know that? And this is for you folks in the room that think you're the mature ones because I, I got to call you out sometimes, okay? When you in your mind are thinking that I'm preaching to everyone but you, you're making my point. You have not arrived. You don't love perfectly. You know how I know? Because I know you. I love you. I like you. But you don't love perfectly. And sometimes you don't even love well. But you've painted it with Christianese so it looks good. What did Jesus do? He went out of his way. Cost him time. Sometimes when he was going to love another person, someone else came and needed love, and he still loved that person while he was on his way to love someone else, to meet a need. This kind of love that you've probably heard if you grew up in church, and if you didn't, cool. I like talking to you because you don't think you know everything yet. <clears throat> Agape. It's a kind of love, it's one good thing about Greek, right? There's a lot of different words for love because, believe it or not, we even understand there's different types of love, right? When I say I love you to Luke, for instance, it's not the same kind of love, right, that I'm saying to my wife, he's saying to your girlfriend, right? He hopes not, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not the same kind of love. And when he said he loves his, his, you know, his child, when I love my daughter, it's not the same as when I say I love my mom. There are different types of love. And agape is so fascinating because it's a kind of love that in our language we, we don't really think of, particularly in our society. Because agape is a, and it's mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. 200 times agape or some form of it. <clears throat> is shown. It means a selfless, sacrificial choice, choice to love someone. Here's the kicker. That is completely independent of whether they ever give me anything back. You're all like, I do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. The kind of love that says... If you hate me, I'll still love you. If you hit me, I'll still love you. If you spit on me, I'll still love you. If you whip me, I'll still love you. If you crucify me, I'll still love you. That's what it is. And when it says here in this, and so you understand what kind of love we're talking about, this agape is what Jesus is saying here. I give you a new command, agape one another. Not an emotional lovey, lovey-dovey Right? Not a brotherly kind of love, a kind of love that is above that. That's not even my point today. It's a type of love that doesn't think about what it gets in return. It's really the highest form of love, and we know that. That's why when we hear stories on TV, even the world knows it. Right? Someone sacrifices themselves for a loved one. Right? Or, for instance, even in um, when, you know, 9-11, that big story you're going to tell, let's roll, right? What's that? What makes, why do people want to talk about that? The people that went and charged the, the terrorists, right? Because they sacrificed themselves. We know that intrinsically. So, to answer the question, when I think about how do I love like Jesus, to love the way we're supposed to, to, supposed to the way that Jesus loves, this is so important. 
I'm going to tell you how you can know you have not probably loved as well as you can. I'm not saying it to shame you. I'm saying it for us to step up. This kind of love requires and demands a sacrifice. It will have a cost. It will have a cost. Whether that's time, whether that's energy, whether that's money, whether that's jeans that are getting ripped in the front, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, it will have a cost. It's going to cost you something. Now, I want to keep going. Remember I told you there's a scary verse, and then I'll come back to this. 1 John, not the gospel, 1 John 4, 20 and 21. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. All right, it's on the screen. If you got it, say, I got it. Are you angry about it? Or I'm, just, uh, I'm reading from the HCSB. You can read from whatever you want. <clears throat> it says, if anyone says, this is the, the Apostle John, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, already you guys are like, I'm good. I don't hate anyone. I don't want anyone to, to die. What's the definition of hate? Okay. For the person who does not love his brother, he is not... He has, I'm sorry, who does not love, or love his brother he has seen cannot love the God he has not seen. <laughs> Just seeing how many people are zoned out. I saw you. Anyway, right? And then he says, and we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. This is pretty deep, right? Anybody, the, the, the first sentence is terrifying. Okay, if anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. And some of us are like, okay, but I'm gonna, in a minute, we're going to read in the same book when he starts to explain what love and hate are because it gets scarier. But if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, who he has not seen, cannot, I mean, who he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. If you can't love a person in front of you, you certainly can't love God, and you won't. That's what he's saying here. And then he says, and we have this command from him that echoes, I love this, by the way, because he traveled with Jesus, right? And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother. So let me tell you something. I've said this all the time. People want to say, well, if you're a good Christian, you never drink in your life, and you never sin, and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not about the don'ts. Let me tell you this. If you don't have love, which leads to forgiveness, which has a heart that seeks for restoration, those things to me are a very, very big sign as to whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. But that's not said in our world today. It's more about, well, as long as you don't do the bad things, and when I look at the Bible, I see Jesus says, I'm going to judge you by what you do, even more than what you don't. You get it? Yeah? I'll stay here all day. You get it? Because when I don't want you to yell out, you'll all scream, right? Let that sink in for a moment. It says, I love God, yet hates his brother. He's a liar. If he does not love his brother, he has seen. He cannot love the God he has not seen. The one who loves God must also love his brother. So let me make this really simple. No love, no relationship with God. No love, no relationship with God. Well, I think God is a fairy tree and blah, blah. It doesn't matter what you think he is. No love, no relationship with God. We say this all the time, right? I've said it in other, talking about good deeds, but we'll say the same thing, right? Loving actions don't make you a Christian, but a Christian will love. An apple tree grows apples. A true disciple of Jesus, even the times they kind of go off, right, because we're imperfect, their life will be characterized by agape, by love. 
if it's not there, there's only one of two things, right? One, it's not a healthy tree, not a healthy Christian, or two, it's not an apple tree, or it's not a Christian. A lot of people out there think that they're a Christian because they're really good at religion, and that's really scary. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than anyone, and you and me would think they're good people. And yet Jesus, when you go look at what made him so angry about them, beyond their hypocrisy was their lack of love. You put weights on people's backs, but don't lift a finger to help them get them off, he says. Love, right? It's an indicator, no love, no relationship with God. It's an indicator that we belong to him, and it's something, listen, that we should make an effort to do. And that's why I ask you, so I ask you again as we go on, how well have you loved this week? Let me tell you how you're going to know. How many times were you aware and made the choice to love? Not, that's how you know. How many times were you consciously aware, I'm loving this person? Because if not, I might argue that you loved, and that's great, when it was convenient. Christians should never be outloved. Isn't that crazy? And yet it happens. I heard, was it this morning? And it's so true. I don't know where I read it, or yesterday. And it was actually not even the point of the message. The guy, I don't, I don't know. The, some, I don't even know where it came from. But the bottom line is he said, you know, hey, these, these good acts are not indicator of Christianity. It wasn't about love. <clears throat> because some non-Christians are better at Christianity. They're better, and they're better at loving. Did you know that? That's embarrassing. Christians in churches, you listen to this. Christians that go to church, and I had to put that because some Christians do this themselves. They should never, ever, ever, ever have to deal with loneliness, grief, pain, and even tangible physical needs alone. And yet they do. What does that say about our love? The reality is, for the vast majority of us believing and loving like Jesus, we think that means giving a dollar to the man on the corner asking for money, that it means saying please and thank you, and, it, and saying we will pray for someone's struggles and needs. I'm, someone said, I'm really struggling to make ends meet. I don't have any money. We need groceries. Oh, I'm sorry. So sorry, brother. I'll pray for you that God meets your need. Don't you say you haven't done it. Man, I hope God brings a miracle and gives them some bread, huh? I'm so lonely since the divorce, since the breakup. My marriage is struggling. I'm so lonely. Oh, sister, God loves you. I will pray that you tangibly feel that love. I'm just not available right now. Tangibly, right? I hope you will tangibly feel that love. I'm going to pray God's arms wrap around you. And God maybe wanted you to wrap your arms around her. Why have we become comfortable with this kind of Christianese? A love that sounds good, but that's all it is. It's just sound. 1 Corinthians 13, the love one, right? It's just a clanging symbol. It's a gong. It's noise. It's, it's garbage. Do we think, not prayer, praying for someone's real, right? But if we pray for something that we have the ability to do, is that agape? A love that sounds good, that's all it sounds. Do we think if we just say we're praying that it makes it holy? As long as I say I'm praying at the end of my actions, then it's okay. What is prayer? What is prayer to you? It's a little sermon than a sermon. Is it a virtue signal? See, I'm godly. Is it a saying, kind of like saying good luck? Or is it an actual 
real thing in which you're going and asking your father to move in the life of someone else. We don't, a lot of times, let me tell you how feeble we are at prayer, I mean at love. We will even say when we're praying for people, we don't pray for them. Let me give you a little free advice I got. One of the few, I shouldn't say that because it's a sarcastic comment. In seminary, it's something good I learned, and it wasn't even a fancy class. When, when you say you're going to pray for someone, I'll never forget him saying, why not pray right now? You don't have the time to pray right now? Right now. Is this, is this, do we think if we just say we're praying, it makes it holy? Is this kind of love, this kind of feeble, clean love, is that what Jesus calls us to? Okay, let me make it real. Hey, wives, is that what it calls you to? Hey, husbands, is that what it calls you to? I'm as convicted as you, but you have to look in the mirror and see this, because there's not a person in here that can't take a step closer to agape. Clean love is easy love. Clean love is convenient love. It's the sanitized love. It's the love, it's that cheap love that costs nothing. It doesn't cost me a thing to say I'm going to pray for you. Because most of the time I'm not going to do it. It doesn't cost me a thing really. If I've got $5,000 sitting in the bank and I know for a fact this has happened and yet someone's in need and you say here's $5 and they are so thankful, right? I mean, it's, that's, that's good, but oh, goodness gracious, don't, don't let your, you have to sit in a little anxiety in order to help someone else meet their need. What if I can't get my Christmas presents this year? But I, so I'll give them five bucks. It's a cheap love that costs nothing, and even more than that, it's just a safe love. It's just safe. Yes. I mean, yet, excuse me, we cannot run from, we can't run from the statement that Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you must love one another. Okay, let's talk about it. He touched lepers. I love everybody in here. Like, man, I'd touch a leper, man. I would hug a leper. No, you wouldn't, because you don't even hug the smelly guy. The creepy guy came up to me. <gasps> hey, do I need to say names, women? I ain't going to. I was just teasing you, right? Because then I have to say my name, and then it's embarrassing. <clears throat> right? The person, you won't touch it. Maybe you would. Some of you would. And by the way, some of you, I shouldn't even say this because then you're like, I'm good. No. He touched lepers. Lepers, man. If you saw, their noses fall off. They smell. The most beautiful story. I could preach this every single week, and it's so hard for me not to every year. I want to preach on this every single year. It's the story of the leper with Jesus. I cry thinking about it. Never been touched. Never been touched. Right? The Jewish people said he's unclean. He can't even come within a certain amount of feet from him, like 50 feet. I can't remember. Because they like, catch his, un- it's not even about the leprosy, his sin. Because the only way he could have leprosy is if he's a sinner. Comes up to him and he says, he must have heard that this guy can, and he said, please, if you're willing, right? if you're willing Heal me. I got goosebumps now. And he touched him first. He touched him first. He met a need before he even met the need he was asking for. To never be hugged, to never be touched. And he touched him and then said, I'm willing. 
That's incredible. I should just go home right there. That should teach us all. Go read that story. He spent time with the poor. He met the needs of the poor. What do you mean, Todd? He gave him bread. How long do you think it took for them to hand out that bread to 5,000, 8,000 people, right? They usually only counted the men. So how many people were really there? How long do you think it took? I got stuff to do today. Got to get to work. Man, when is it? Think, er, got to stay on topic here. <clears throat> the poor prostitutes. I was going to say whores, but I didn't. Then I said it. Right? I mean, that's what they call it, right? And that's my point. Prostitutes, the people you call those names under your breath. He sat with them. Right? I've told this story so many times, so you understand what I mean. I wanted to start a bar ministry here. And I've learned I can't say that because people are like, oh, my goodness, he's going to go drink. And I'm like so ridiculously angry. Some of you all right now, I love it. You got all irritated because it said bar ministry. Where does Jesus go? Huh? I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And I'm not saying every person that goes to a bar is sick, but some of them are. But how dare a church or a pastor go there? Don't they know how that looks? I remember being taught that, right, at my nonprofit Christian place. You got you to be careful how it looks. I bought that for a while. You know what I call it now? I call it playing the game. Criminals. Spent time with criminals. Bad people. These are not, listen, I don't want to make, I don't want to like make a lot of this. These were not good people. Like we always are like, they were really good in heart, right? They were like, they were dirty on the outside, but they had hearts of gold. No, some of them are nasty, evil people. They were. They were not good people. Maybe, well, let me, let me put this in words, something to mess with you, okay? Um, I could say murderers, but you don't really care about that anymore because you've seen it in Scripture. What if it was wife beaters? Huh? Adulterers? Pedophiles? And that's not me, right? And I say that to shock us into reality of like, listen, we, that kind of love that Jesus showed, we wouldn't have been comfortable with because they don't deserve it, right? And they don't. That's the thing. They don't deserve it. Neither do I. There was never a moment that Jesus saw a moment. There was never a moment that Jesus saw a need and didn't move into it. I'm telling you, go find it. Go find an area or a place where Jesus saw a need and didn't meet it. That he didn't love in a way that left the other person different than before he found them. That's how you know. He went into the darkness, he went into the filth, he, into the dirty, rotten places of society is where he went, into the muck. He didn't care how it made him look, how much time, effort, money, or sacrifice it would cost him. Did you know that? He didn't care. Whether it was sleep, that's one of the things a lot of people, you know, the Chosen's getting a bad rap now for some reason, I don't know, people are silly. There's a beautiful scene where it kind of shows what could have been as he come down from the hill, right? He'd been there all day and came. Anyone seen this? No? Just me? What is wrong with you people? Go watch it. Some pastor tell you it's bad? Read the Bible and you'll be able to determine which is good and bad, right? But there's a beautiful scene where it shows him come down at the end. Of, the disciples are already down. They're chilling at the end of the night. And he comes down and his feet are hurting. And then it shows his mom helping him. He can't even take his shoes off because he's been up there walking all day. How, how, that could very well be what it was like. 
whether it's time, money, sleep, or sacrifice. He didn't. He thought about it. We know that. I don't want to do this, but I will for them. Sometimes the type of love we're called to give, we don't want to give. And that's, that doesn't mean you don't have Jesus, right? Sometimes the most beautiful examples and displays of faith, most of the time, are the times we walk when we don't want to. And a lot of times in Christianity, we're, we, we sort of wait, right? We, like, we think we have arrived, and some of you are hard on yourself. Some of you in this room are really good at love, but you, hate, you, you just hate yourself too much because you think you're waiting until you feel it. And you're like, well, I love people, but I, I don't like them. And I'm like, he didn't say you had to like them. He said to love them. He never looked, Jesus didn't care about the sacrifice. He never looked from outside with sanitized gloves. Oh, let me see, let me, I'll touch you, leper. Let me get my gloves on. Man, I'm telling you right now, some of y'all need to hear this, right? What are they saying this out? Hey, I'm preaching to you because you won't even hug certain people because they smell bad or they look funny. He never looked from outside with sanitized gloves. He got dirty, which is the only type of love there really is. The kind of love that gets in the pit. How do I know that? God loved us so much. Jesus loves us so much that what? In the midst of our sin. In the muck. We don't even have a way to comprehend what he did. Because our muck is nothing compared to what it must have been like for the holy of holies to come into this and, and sit in it. The kind of love that gets in the pit, that goes to any lengths. Dirty hands, dirty clothes, dirty reputation, damaged reputation, it didn't matter. It didn't matter to him. He still did it. He still walked. He still loved. And that's what we're called to do. If we want to love like Jesus, we have to trade in our idea of easy love, clean love, cheap love, a love that lusts from the outside, and we have to embrace his kind of love. You have to listen to this. Revival. I hear it all the time. Revival. Let's have revival meetings. Let's have revival. That's all great. You know why there's no revival? What are they seeing? What do they see from us? They, you think they don't, like so, that's why Jesus' words are so powerful. They would know you by your love for one another. It's like, oh, that's cute. We think, right, it's the sinners, how will we love? No, no, no. When you go look, even in Acts, Jesus' words came true. Acts chapter 2, we talk about it around here all the time. Every church wants to be an Acts church, but we don't do Acts things. And it said what? People were added every day to their number. Why? Because they preach good sermons, because they, they had fancy buildings with nice lights and good food. No, no. Because they loved each other so radically that people were like, man, I want that. When most of the time in this world, not all the time, but the world will look at us, see how we treat each other, because we got to tear all those false apostles down. we got to rip those false teachers up, man. we got to get them. We can't trust their church to handle it. we got to make sure we get on those message boards. we got to make a post about it. What do you think they see? If they look at us like wolves tearing each other apart, you think they're going to think, well, dude, they don't even like each other, and they're better than me. They're going to kill me. You want revival? Show them Jesus. 
We've got to embrace his kind of love, a dirty love. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a couple things. And it's going to be a lot, but let's stay with me. Gospel of Luke, see Emma? Sometimes I can go other places. I'm never going to stop. It'll be 20 years if we're blessed. I'm going to bring this up. Chapter 6, verses 27. It's true, though. 36. Uh, the joke is I only preach from the Gospel of John when I pick a gospel. That's kind of true. right? I like the Gospel of John. They're all great, but I like it. Luke's cool. <laughs> the book. The book. Right? Let's <laughs> just kid. <kidding. clears throat> The book of Luke, Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 and 36. This is a long section, but it's very important. <clears throat> this is Jesus. Now, before this, he talked about sin, right? He talked about you're going to follow me, and it's kind of in the Beatitudes area, and this is what it looks like, and this is what it doesn't. And he says, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Stop. Okay. It didn't say the people that don't hate you. This is preaching to me. When people hate me, I want to hate them back, Right? When they come for me or people I love, I want to punch them in the face. That is my flesh's desire. Okay? But I'm supposed to love them? I'm supposed to agape them? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Gosh, I don't like that. Sometimes I'm not kidding you. I'm praying through gritted teeth. That's happened. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. Can he just stop talking to me? Here, you're going to punch me here. No, I'd already be on the ground, right? I shouldn't, though. That means I'm attacking him. I didn't fall from one punch. Come on. Anyway, if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. Oh, man. And from one who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Well, if we take that literally, would that change some stuff? It does for me. Hey, man, I gave you that shirt a few weeks ago. Where's it at? Oof. On my shorts. There's a dude that steals my shorts all the time, man. My blankets, my towels, anything he can get his hands on. Anyway, I, got, I guess I shouldn't ask for it back. Give me my stuff back. Anyway, if anyone takes your coat, don't hold back your shirt. Give to everyone asking from the one who asks things, don't, your things don't ask for them back. Just as, as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Boy, I tell you, you right there. I'm just pointing to people, right? <laughs> By the way, sometimes I do that. I'm not even pointing to someone, but everybody immediately goes, you. All right? <clears throat> do what just as others, if you want others to do for you, do the same for them. And let me flip that. Don't do to people what you don't want them to do to you. Right? If those who love you, if you love, this is so good. Listen, I know you're zoned out. It's Taco Bell time. Listen, if you love, or you, hey, get off your fantasy football. I will come down there right now. I've installed cameras. I can see everything. Get off your fantasy football. We're going to turn the phones in like a real cult. All right? I know you did it. I ain't going to make you raise your hand. You looking at it? Oh. (laughs) Jenny's like, not me. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, no, this reminds me of the time, Hannah. I just did it again. I'm not talking about those of you who are genuinely looking at your phones for good purposes. I made Hannah cry one time. It's a long story. (laughs) She thought I was talking to her. (laughs) Oh, man. If you do, if you do, what is, this is, focus. Listen, this is good, though. If you do, I'm sorry, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Meaning the world, the people that don't know Jesus. Is that not true? 
Listen, serial killers, right, whatever their version of love, had somebody like, oh, I love my mama. Some of them did when they weren't killing them, right? Some of them loved their mom. I love my mom because she loves me. Everyone does it. That's why I think it's funny. This is an aside. It's about marriage. I think this is funny. I get told this all the time. Um, You need to love your wife as Christ loved the church, which apparently in your words means I got to do everything she says and always make her happy and and tell her she's right all the time and all that stuff. Now, listen, that would make my life much better. I'm going to tell you that right now. That would make my life much better. But here's the thing. And this goes for you, too, because you've been told that's Christianity. That's not true. Okay, and let me tell you why. Because what is real love? Would real love be letting your wife snort cocaine every hour? Well, I gotta, that's what she wants. i got to love her. Right? No, that's the kind of love here, too, we're talking about. But that, as an aside, do you really love your wife? Or do you just do whatever it takes so you get love in return? And some of you all, women, I'm going to be honest with you. You have created a culture where men feel a pressure to love like that. And that's the only definition of biblical love, right? Because, and you think, oh, my goodness. And I'll be like, look at Billy Bob. He loves his wife so well. Look how happy she is all the time. And I want to be like, Billy Bob's the most selfish human I've ever seen because he does that so he gets his food, his mm-hmm, and he doesn't get bothered. That's why he does it. That he don't love you. He loves being loved. And that's some of you all in here. And I'm not saying there are people that you, you admire for their love. But, hey, women, quit creating this weird culture. Fantasy football. Turn your phone off. You might as well pull it out now. You can't hide it. If it goes off one more time, the usher's getting you. Because one of y'all didn't even hold it up. You're still trying to hide. All right, here we go. Listen. <laughs> If you do what's good to you, those who are good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. That's so powerful. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Boy, that one will get you. That's taught in Christianity too. Hey, don't lend money. Proverbs says it. Mm. Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. Even sinners will give money as long as they get the money back. Why? Why is that? Here we go. Cost, right? Cost. We see it again. What's the difference between agape and another thing? Cost. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend. There it is, man. Interesting. He says that. Lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Man, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Kind of like, what's, it, what's that doing in there? Love right, drives mercy. Mercy is saying, I'm not going to give to you what you deserve. Why would I do that? Because I love you. It's a testimony to people if you give money like that, by the way. I'm going to give a shout-out to a guy, and it's not just because I threw him on the ground today. It's a long story. But Zach, right? If you guys know Zach, that dude will give money all the time. That guy will give, I've never, I don't like it. I'm kind of his big brother. I've known him since 15. Sometimes I'm like, listen, bro, don't be doing, like, that's how I think. You got to take care of your family. And that guy just doesn't even think about it. And you know what's crazy? And then I sit and wonder, it's like, he's, he's provided a testimony to me, by the way. And I've, I've never seen him say anything about it. I don't want to tell a story, man, but he did something so radical one time, and it burned him, you know. And I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm telling you it's a radical thing. He gave a guy his credit card that needed money, okay, and he'll never tell you this, so I will. $2,000 or more, right? Maybe I shouldn't say that. 
But he did. Why? I don't care. His family. I can say it. What a story that is. Now, you think Todd, his big brother, was like, this is no, right? And maybe it wasn't wise, but it was agape. Pretty interesting. So I'm supposed to, okay, we're, we're learning agape. I got to love my enemies. That's what kind of love. I got to, you know, I've got to love people that don't love me in return. I got to give money to people that are going to take advantage of me. And now we start getting a little even crazier here. 1 John 3. Remember I told you we were going to go back into 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. That, man, hey, come on. Let me set it up, man. 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. That's good, though. I'm kidding. This is, this is what he says. And before this, um, again, I like to give context. John is talking about sin, right? Hey, you need to do what God does. Don't do what he doesn't do, et cetera. And then that's what this section here, it says, this is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. Ooh, this is how you can tell the difference between God's children and devil, the devil's children. By the way, Jesus said this too. <clears throat> There's only two teams. I'm going to say this again. There's only two teams. You, you, you are a son of one of them or daughter. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to like it. You are either a son or daughter of God or Satan. I don't believe in the devil. That's cool. He likes that. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one. Ooh, this is good. Immediately, like, I do right, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't curse. But it says, especially the one who does not love his brother. Now, stay with me. We're going to build a case for what this kind of love is. He says, for this message you have heard from the beginning. Here we go again. We should love one another. We should love one another. The message doesn't change. Aren't you happy that we can trust the Bible because the message is consistent? It's consistent, right? This man traveled with Jesus. And as he's teaching through the Holy Spirit, he's referencing what the Messiah said. That's incredible to me. Those little moments should help you have, have strength in your faith. 1 John 3, now drop down to 14 and 15. We know that we have passed from death to life. We're new creatures. We're saved. How? We know we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love our brothers. Oh, my goodness. Let me paraphrase. Don't you say you know. Don't you say it because you don't. Listen, this is how we've come to know. Right, I'm at the wrong part. We know that we've passed from death to life. Hey, we can know that we're Christians and have salvation and are truly saved. We have a sign. Oh, what is it? It's got to be if I don't drink, you know, if I've never sinned. No, if we love our brothers. Oof, let that sink in. You want the proof of whether you're saved. How do you love the people around you? You will know by the type of love that is characteristic of your life. And he goes on, the one who does not love remains in death. I don't know how to get you to see this. This is terrifying. The one who does not love remains. So Todd, if I don't love well, I'm, I'm, I'll lose my salvation? No, no, no. It's the other way around. What he's trying to say is if you don't have love, you're not an apple tree. You get what I'm saying? You haven't been transformed because transformed people, right? We talked about this, I think it was a men's group or somewhere else recently. I don't even remember anymore. We talk all the time, right? But when it says a new creation, you translate that word, it's a new creature. And this new creature, how you know one of its big traits and characteristics is agape love. So some of you all, and, and it, it's it's. Let me, let me help you convict all of us. How well do you love the person closest to you? Familiarity breeds contempt. All right, 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. I love this. I'm about to get you again. How do, 
this is another cool moment referencing the Messiah. Remember what Jesus said? If you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Remember the standard? And then he says, if you've hated your brother, you've already been a murderer. You would kill them if you could get away with it. So what, that's he's saying again. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him on their own, right? On their own merit. That's what this says. What do you mean, Todd? I thought you said murderers can go. No. He's saying, listen, we should not be doing things that send people to hell. You get what I mean? Right? What's a characteristic of people that aren't the children of God? They don't love. They hate. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Now I'm going to build the case. Not me. I don't know why I said that. John is going to tell us a little more about what that is. Because, again, we need to know what love is. What is this kind of love? Because, like, I've messed up, right? And you've messed up sometimes. And what, what does it look like? Drop down 16 through 18. He tells us right away. This is how we come to know love. He laid down his life for us. Oh, boy. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. I just want want to sit down, fall down, pass out, right? Whatever you want to call it. This, This is a punch in the mouth. Okay, what kind of love? This is how we've known that he loved us. He died for us. He was willing. We should lay down our lives for our brothers. Todd, should I go out and shoot myself or someone? No. Right? Does it mean you might someday have to be, not shoot yourself, but like maybe you would give your life for someone else? But let me, let me, if you give your life for someone, would you give up your pride for someone if you're willing to do that? Would you give up your time if you're willing to die for them? Would you give up your money if you're willing to die for them? Would you give up your reputation if you're willing to die for them? You get what I'm saying? He's setting the standard here so you understand, hey, if, if you, this is what you're called to, so all this other stuff should be obvious. If anyone has, here it is, this is the love we're talking about. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need but closes his eye to his need, how can God's love reside in him? 18, little children, we must not love with word or speech but with truth and action. This is how we will know we belong to the truth and will convince our conscience in his presence. I got them Holy Spirit goosebumps. It's getting me, right? This is preaching to me. If anyone has money, food, shelter, clothes, time, a touch, and sees his brother in need for those things, but closes his eyes to that need, how can God's love reside in him? Well, I prayed for God to move. I prayed for God to move into that. I already made somebody angry. Good. Prayer is a beautiful thing. But what God's saying here is sometimes, like, before you, you come to me, have you done anything? What kind of love is it? If you have the ability to help someone and you don't, you don't love them. I don't care if you don't have time. I don't care if you're afraid that it's going to go below your $4,000 savings, you know, because Dave Ramsey told you you got to keep four grand in there and you can't go to 3900 3, Just being honest with you. If you have that and we don't move into it, we're not loving. And then he says it, hey, you can't just talk the talk. you got to walk the walk. That's what verse 18 is saying. You can say you love someone all day long. Oh, I, I'm sorry you don't have groceries for your family this month. I'll pray for you. I love you, sister. <laughs> okay, everyone ready to go to Cheddar's? 
That's not love. That's not love. And if you're irritated a little bit, I don't know your situation. That's God. I'm serious. I don't know you. And honestly, some of your egos are too big because you think I'm up here talking about you. I got too much on my mind. I can barely keep track. You're, you're watching me. You think I'm thinking about you? Right? But that's the truth. And kids, that's you too. At the lunch table, how many of your friends only have that peanut butter sandwich and milk while you eat your Snapple, drink your Snapple and your brownie and your five milks? I know they're there. I'm not that old. You, you're not too old to give from what you have. And it's, man, when I do these messages, when I talk about love, because I'm going to talk about it 20 times a year. You know why? Because God does. But the thing about it is I can't, Some it's like the podium throwing thing, that's where I get, because I'm looking out, and again, I don't really see, people always think I see, like if I'm looking at you, again, I'm, you're usually friendly, because I don't, like the grumpy ones in the room, I'm not looking at you, because then I'm going to end up being like, you're grumpy, and then we're going to have an argument with our words, and you're going to storm out, it'll be terrible. But I'm looking out, and I know for, beyond a shadow of a doubt, some of you just aren't hearing this, because you think you are doing it. And maybe you are most of the time. And maybe even to me, I would be like, you're a great person, for real. But what are you not willing to do? We all got them, right? For me, sometimes it's my pride. I'll just be real. You want me to tell you? It's my pride. I'll give you my money. Anybody knows that, right? I don't care about money that much, right? Anybody that knows me well, I'll give you money. I don't care, right? Because it comes and goes. That's just the truth. And plus, some of y'all need to be confident. I'll go out tomorrow and get a job, right? If you're willing to work, it's a good time to be a worker, because <clears throat> ain't a lot of people want to work right now. <sighs> Another sermon. Anyway, right, I'll give that up. I'll give you time most of the time. Sometimes that, you know, I get caught up. But pride. When I got to say, you look down on me, you think I'm worse than you? Because I don't think I'm better than anyone. Like my mom's here, she'll tell you this. I was taught this lesson. It's a beautiful lesson, right? Hey, LT, that's what they call me. You're, I literally remember both my parents independently, not together, said this to me. Hey, LT, from a little age, you're not better than anyone, right? But no one's better than you, right? And that's good. That's a good message. But sometimes, like, my sinful nature internalizes that. It's like, I ain't going to let you even think you're better than me. That's a problem, man. I do that in my personal relationships, right? I do it, and I hate it. I hate that I do that, and I feel conviction right away most of the time. I hate that I do that. Don't you ever do that? You ever do that? You just don't love in a way, and you're like, why? Why do I do that, man? That's how you know what Paul says when he says, man, I got this part of me. I want to follow you, Jesus, but, man, I got this part of me that just doesn't. What's your thing? And then he goes on and says, it's got to be, you know, walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. And he says, this is how you're going to know you belong to the truth. Who's the truth? I'm the way, the truth. You want to belong to the truth and want to know in your conscience. You want to convince yourself. Live out agape. What we say around here is, hey, I'm good with you focusing on the don'ts, but I want you even more so to focus on the do's. That's not popular to talk about or preach. That's how I judge people, right or wrong. You know, I've been told that, how can you be friends with so-and-so? I'm like, because they're uh, an incredible person, but they did this. I'm like, yeah, and look what else they're doing. You want to take their worst moment and make, the, make it who they are. If I took your worst moment, every single one of you, put it up on here with no context, you are going to have no friends. But boy, 
when somebody's worst moment gets put on there, we love to throw stones because then maybe no one will look at me. If they're too busy ripping that guy or girl apart, they ain't going to look at mine. Whew. Too many sermons within this. Here, for, drop down uh, all the way in next chapter, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And this is, this is powerful. We'll kind of close this and talk about it. This is John, same chapter, 1 John. He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. By the way, he spends almost two chapters here in this letter talking about love. I wonder, you think a lot of the people he's writing to are like, John, we already heard from Peter and everyone about love. If God repeats it over and over and over again, there's two things. One, it's really important and we struggle with it. Because again, I don't see a lot of verses that say, take a breath, breathe, right? Be prideful doesn't happen. Why? Because we do that naturally. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love, black and white. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Parents, that's hard, isn't it? That's an area that I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I, don't, I, I have learned I don't, I'm about to even cry thinking about it. I pray that I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I don't know if I'm Abraham. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us <laughs> and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why is that important? He said, listen, love is this. We didn't love God first. We didn't love him so well Right, that he came to love us. Instead, he loved us and sent his son to us. For us. When we weren't doing it to him. When we weren't loving him, he still loved us. When we ran for him, he invaded. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. If he was willing to love when we didn't love first, we have to be willing to do the same. No one has ever seen God. There's this, it's the same theme, remember, where he said, hey, if you, you don't love your brother who you see, you can't love God who you don't. He says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. And John is clearly referencing that statement, right, where he says, hey, if you can't love, it's almost like a reminder. He assumed they knew that story, didn't he? Hey, no one's seen God. If you say you love him, then you've got to love the people you can see. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's a beautiful thing. Now, you want to know what's crazy about God? You know how God powerful his love is in Christ for you? That even when you don't love, well, he doesn't let go and he still loves you. That's why there's no shame in what I'm saying. There's no shame for a Christian ever, ever. There's no condemnation for a Christian. Right? There is conviction that leads to us standing up, dusting our knees off, and walking again. Which sometimes means we got to turn away from the way we're going, right? Because Jesus ain't going that way. He's going this way. This is so powerful. Love is God. Everyone who loves has been born and knows God. This section even says God is love. You know what that's translating? God is agape. That beautiful section. I love this. 1 Corinthians 13, you know I've said it before. If agape, if God is agape, now you ready? Love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrong. 
Love endures all things, believes all things, bears all things, all this, right? God is patient. God is kind. God does not delight in, or in evil, right? But celebrates in the good. Let these things sink in for a minute, guys. You've got to, you know, maybe I'm an imperfect messenger, but my prayer is that you can see past to what I'm saying here, that we all need to be better in this to each other, to each other. There should be no one lonely that's going through it themselves, right? People are going to feel that. There should be no one grieving by themselves in this church. There should be no one who is hungry. You hear that right now? You know how I know that? Because I'm not hungry, which means I got enough to share, right? And even if I didn't, I should still help you not be hungry. That is the way it's supposed to be. And some of you even, some of you on the other side, you're like, well, I don't have anything to love. I've seen some people that have the least do the most incredible things with money when I know they don't have it. That's a a powerful thing. So I'm going to tell you, you love your list. It's been a while. How to love dirty. What do you think of that, Jill? That'll get attention, right? How to love dirty. Okay, how to love dirty. Number one, you got to look. You got to look. What did Jesus do? When he walked along and he saw a leper, he went to them, right? When he saw the poor, when he saw the people on the hill, before he even preached to them, before he gave them spiritual food, he fed them real food. He looked for needs and he met them. Do you do that? I'm Okay. Do you not wait until, like, I'm going to pray that I naturally do this? You're probably not going to, right? But the more you practice, the more natural it becomes. Do you set reminders on your phone, put a note on your desk at work? I don't care what it is. Do you look for ways to tangibly love the people around you? If you want to love dirty, you've got to start doing that. Where are the dirty areas, right? Where are the places people need? Number two, similar, listen. Listen, hear it. When someone comes to you, when someone comes to you, anytime someone comes to you, because sometimes all we can do is pray, right? Sometimes we don't, like, we should pray every time, but sometimes that's all we can do because we aren't sovereign. But you should listen, ready? Listen to them and then look for the ways in which you can meet a need and love. How can I love this person? It's going to come from listening. Sometimes people are too hurt or so used to not being loved, they won't even ask. You have to listen to pick up on it. Someone in your church, someone you talk to, a friend discouraged, you can hear it in their voice. Someone asked me that today. They're like, you okay, man? Isn't that pretty powerful? It's also convicting, right? Because apparently, you know, I just, I can't have my emotions. They said, you okay? They didn't have to do that. They looked at me. They listened to my voice. I didn't say that, and then they asked me. Even that simple act showed that person loved me. Number three, okay, we look, we listen, and then we move. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for what? If you got bread, don't pray for God to send someone with bread. Give your bread. Because faith is this. Does God love you? Does God love you? You're like, I don't know. Yeah, some of you. Yes, he loves you. 
Now, here's the beautiful thing. You give your bread, all of a sudden I don't have any bread. Well, then Tom, who has bread, sees you that doesn't have any bread, and he gives you bread, right? And if we all love each other, then everyone's getting loved all the time. Man, I hear that. Oh, Acts 2, church, go read that. Oh, my goodness, sell all your possessions and share them. That's cult talk. You know that we've been, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, we get called that because we like to play volleyball together in the summer. Look at that cult. Look at them. They're hanging out together. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Right? I can't believe it. I'm going to go over with my work friends and have a beer. You were with them for 45 hours, and now you're going, you're a cultist. Right? <laughs> Nothing to do with this. But move and stop waiting. Right? Move and stop waiting. Stop waiting for someone else. Stop waiting to feel it. Stop, you know, doing that thing where you're justifying, oh, should I move in? Should I not? Should I help? Should I not? By the way, one of the biggest ones, I've been talking about money. Let's throw that aside. Let me do something that's even more important to you, your time. How quick do you bust out a church every Sunday? I just don't get anything from it. <laughs> it's annoying. I'm sorry. It is, right? I'm not being very loving. But some of you all are most selfish people, and you are sad people, right? I'm just being real. And the reason you're sad is you live your life for yourself. Well, you're like, well, I don't get anything I want. How is that true? Exactly. All you think about is what you don't have instead of what maybe someone else doesn't have that you can move into. Time. Time. I'm convicted of that, right? I've been told before, I'll never forget, it was Tim, years ago. It was unintentional. See, if I'm going to say good things about myself, I should say something. I was talking to him, and I promise you this wasn't intention. And it was before he just started coming here. And he came to me later, and he's like, man, sometimes when you talk to me, it's like you're looking through me. That still gets said to me sometimes. I got to quit that. Stop waiting. And number four. Okay, so now we've looked, we've listened, we've stopped waiting. Now we're going we're gonna to get in the dirt with them. I'm going to get my hands dirty. I'm not going to take time to put my gloves on. Right? I'm going to get in there and I'm going to love them. What if people see me? What if they do? What if they see me with so-and-so? What if they see me interacting with them? What if, what if this? What if that? What, 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 what if, what if, what if? What if is just another word for lack of faith. What if? What if God loves you? What if God said he'll provide for you? What if God said I'll work out all things for the good of those who believe according to my purposes? What if God says I'll never leave you or forsake you? What if, what if? So you're going to come play some music. We're going to close up here, and I want to leave you with this. And I please, I ask you, I don't do this a lot. And I'm talking to the remnant folk. You guess your hearts are so tender and soft a lot of times. I'm so thankful for your example. But you remnant folk have hard hearts sometimes. And altar time just becomes the time before meal. Ask yourself this question. I don't get a cookie if you come up here. And I'm not telling you you have to. Right? This is an altar. What does that mean? Right? It's the place where we come to give up things for him. This is the holy of holies. It is. Two or three are gathered in their name. One, two, three. Right? There I am also. There's going to be people that are up here wanting to pray with you. Pray with one another. For the prayers of a righteous man are powerful indeed. I want you to think about this and consider what I'm saying. How have you really been loving those around you? Not your version. Not Pastor Billy Bob's version. 
not Todd's version, Jesus's version, the only true love. How have you really been loving people? Because to love people means you got to step out of the matrix. You got to step out of your own mind. You got to step out of your own worries and your own fears, right, and your own insecurities and that desire to control. I've got to have enough for me and mine because nobody's coming, right? I know that. I got to take care of myself. I got to have it, me and my family. And God wants that. And when that moment comes that you begin to justify not moving into the dirt is the moment you've already, you've lost it. How have you really been loving them? With your time, your money, your resources, your effort? How have you been willing to get dirty with people? Put your hands in the dirt and pull them out to go into the muck, if that's what it takes. I say dirty because when you really love someone, their life has changed, but something's different with you too, isn't it? I got a little dirt on my hands, whether that's less money, a little less time, right? A little less bread. Whatever it is, it changes both of you. Are you trying, have you been willing to get dirty? Are you trying to love from afar? So beautiful about the prodigal son, right? I see him. I'll just wait till he gets to me. He runs. Runs to him. The father runs to him. Are you trying to love from afar so it's easy and clean and sanitized and safe? And are you willing to start loving dirty if that's not the case? Because of all the things you've been convicted of, and I say this myself too, this one is very, 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 and probably the most important. Because you can't even love God like that, right? Without a God, but you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love others as yourself. If you don't love, right? If we don't love, we are not following our Messiah. We're not. The truth is, the beautiful thing, I got to tell you this, right, is, is God was willing to love us dirty. We sinned from this perfect God. We rejected him. We do it every single day. Kids, adults, you have walked away from God. You have chosen what the world tells you, what you want, what TikTok tells you, all of these things, what you naturally feel. And you have idolized that and put it above the God of gods, right? The Lord of lords, the King of kings, the only true God. We've done that. And he said, right, here's his one rule when he made it. you got to follow me. Let me be the one who tells you right and wrong. And we've rejected that. And because of that, we've been separated from a holy God permanently. Like a branch off a tree, we can't be put back. That's a fact. I'm sorry. A holy, good God cannot be with sin and evil. And since the standard, right, if you remember in this verse, even, you must be perfect. We're in big trouble. We are lost you're, some of you are lost in your past and the sins that you've committed, and that's why you never did this. I can't get cleaned up enough. I can't fix what I've done. I hurt so many people. And you're right. That's, it's bad. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, here's some bad news. Not only, so we've sinned, but what does that mean? Well, it says the wages of sin is death. And some of you all, man, I mean, it's it's it's... Eternity, that's hell. You will be permanently separated from God. There's no second chances. There's no 
That's it. If we die in this state, we will forever be separated from him. But here's the good news. When we couldn't come to him, when we were too dirty to be clean enough to come to him, he came into the dirt. God sent his only son. It's a fact. Jesus of Nazareth existed. God made flesh. He told us how to live. He showed us agape. He healed. He showed us what, how much he loved us, and then he did something incredible. Remember those wages, the thing you have to, you've earned? He stepped in our place. And on the cross, he died a terrible death. And the father, right, he, he experienced hell in a way, the true absence of God, right? But how do we know? Because he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Utterly alone so that you never have to be. It doesn't matter how far you went. It doesn't matter how bad you are. The cross goes that far. I don't like Christians, me either, but I like Christ. And he likes you and he loves you. And Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. Look it up. 500 witnesses attested to this miracle. 12 men, 13 men were willing to die. Horrible deaths because they said, I believe it. All they say is it didn't happen. This is just proof to you that it happened. He died and conquered death. And then he said something. He said, listen, I will offer you something. I will take your sin, your dirtiness, your brokenness. I will put it on myself. I will get dirty. I will take your dirt and give you my cleanliness, my holiness, my perfection. But you have to let go of it. You have to come to me and ask. And then on the cross, time doesn't exist to him. All your sin died on the cross with him. And you now have the benefits of his perfect life. Today, you can have eternal life. Today, you can be assured that if you drop dead of a heart attack, as soon as you walk out those doors, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, after that moment, you are assured to be in paradise with God. He told a man dying on the cross who had mocked him hours before, when that man just said, remember me, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. In his last moment, that's all it takes. Right now, tomorrow's not promised. 12 hours from now is not promised. You have now. Stop waiting. Stop worrying about whether you look cool or whether someone's judging you or whether someone even, oh, they thought I was a Christian. This is your opportunity to do that. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Take this time, whether you're a Christian who needs to say, maybe you need to repent. I haven't been loving. Maybe you... You, you're hurt, whatever it is, take this time and talk to God, respond how it is. There's, this is up for you for prayer. There's people here to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, you know who you are. Please, I am pleading. Don't do it for me, but I'm pleading for you to take it seriously. I love you enough to tell you I don't want you to die. Take this time and make it count. There's people that will pray with you. If you don't know how to do that, I'm wandering around in the dark like Batman. You can come find me. Other than that, whatever you do, don't leave the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.